The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 8, Collision. Danger Zone, Part 2. Written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Vicky didn't remember coming down off the bar climb. One minute she was shouting into her mic, the next she had a lump in her shirt that must be her keyboard, and she was on the ground, sprinting in a straight line for the Echo Quartermaster building. She couldn't manage everything from her HUD. It wasn't possible to get all the information she needed as fast as she needed it. Now all that parkour practice was paying off, even though her limbs were protesting mightily. She sped across the course without tripping once. There were plenty of people who had orders to get into the sky, but the folks working in the Q-Master knew Vix had priority, and they kept one jetpack with her name on it in readiness at all times. She was counting on that, as she tried to manage the battlefields, pass what she could off to the Colt Brothers and Gamayun, and run at the same time. Somehow she managed to stay on her feet, though when she came bursting through the Quartermaster's door, she was staggering. The racks where Echo jetpacks were normally kept were empty. But as soon as the Q-Master spotted her, panting and staring wildly, he hauled one out from under the counter, jumped over the counter, and got it on her back. She strapped in, he took care of what was needed at the back, and slapped the broadcast energy engines when he was ready. And she was out the door, then in the air, heading for her apartment. Flying low, below the rooftops. No point in making herself a target for the Death Spheres. She was pretty sure she was flying too fast and weaving among the buildings for ground troops to target her, but if she got up in the air, the spheres could and would take computer-guided shots at a lone flyer. She had to make this flight at top speed. At some point soon the Echo Tesla Power broadcasters, hidden in structures all over the city, would shut off. Then she'd be down to the half-power mode of the onboard generator, which would be just enough power to land. The broadcast power weakened Krieger armor, but the Kriegers knew that now, and would make any broadcaster they could find a top priority for demolition. Shutting them off would hopefully keep the Kriegers from getting a solid fix on all of their locations. She landed on the roof, punched in the code on the roof door, and breathed a sigh of thanks that she'd managed to persuade the super to let her install a code lock, because she never would have found the key in time. Then she staggered down the stairs, lurched to her door, shouted the keywords for the spell that flipped all the locks open at once, barreled through the door, dropped the jetpack in the living room, shouted the key to the spell that flipped the locks closed, and pinballed into her Overwatch suite. Overwatch! Battle stations! she cried as she tumbled into her chair. The monitors lit up, and she lost herself in the meld. Ramona Ferrari, CCCP the klaxons in the CCCP base came seconds after the cries of battle stations over the comms, and the occupants cleared the main areas as orders came through all possible channels. Ramona set the reports to the side and took off for the medical bay. With all of the battles she had witnessed with the Kriegers, she half expected to scream, or panic, or rush to Soviet claiming that she didn't know the first thing about fighting the alien metal behemoths. Instead... She took the stairs from the basement office two at a time, her mouth set in a grim line. The last time she had witnessed the full force of a Thulean attack, Ramona had had the terrifying yet frustrating task of keeping Alex Tesla company in a walk-in freezer while seated on a carton of tater tots. 
Although Vicky had chirped constantly in her ear, Ramona had remained an anxious and ineffective bystander, forced to wait and see if she would survive the attack. Now, she waited in the doorway for Soviet to point her in the proper direction. If nothing else, she could still fire a gun and provide cover for a field medic. The Russian woman seemed to have the same idea as she raced through the doorway, combat nanoweave covering all but her hands and head. She carried a small kit on her back and threw another at Ramona before handing her one of the CCCP's standard-issue PP-19 Bizons, Russian submachine guns with unique helical magazines. Chug is waiting for us. You will not engage unless necessary, da? Is to be bringing others back for care, not requiring more care yourself. I would hate to be losing more scissors. Ramona felt the butterflies in her stomach fade. Heads up, detective. I'm activating your HUD, came the words in her ear that made the butterflies vanish. Suddenly, she had information again. Suddenly, she wasn't alone. She was part of the whole. Now, she felt everything settle in place. Okay, turning you over to the cults. Sovi's your immediate in-command. I'll pick you up myself when I'm online. Vix out. It hadn't been fear exactly, after all. It had been disconnection. She trotted in Soviet's wake as the CCCP's doctor collected her rocky protector. There was about to be a battle. She had a place in it. That was all she needed to know right now. Bella Bulwark, Jeannie Mel. Echo Campus. What kept you? Bella asked, as the Red Genie and Mel came hauling proverbial ass from the parkour course on the other side of the campus. Stop for coffee? I've got stirrers if you take the supersized version. She gestured at the RPGs. There were still a few on the trucks, but they were going fast. Red nodded and motioned to Mel with a curled finger. She flashed him a mischievous grin, slapped his ass, and followed him to one of the trucks. Overwatch 2 Online came Vicky's voice in her ear as her HUD lit up with a lot more information. She breathed a sigh of relief. Welcome to the party, Vix, Bella said. I like feeling less blind. They're almost on you, Vicky said calmly. Can we get an accurate count? Bull asked. Three death spheres trailing. Vicky paused. Jesus, Clooney, uh, 300 shock Kriegers. That's a lot of Nazis. That's a bit more than we anticipated in our simulations, the genie said as he and Mel joined them, toting their hardware. We up for this? Well, Bull rumbled and looked at Bella. Are we? As some famous guy at the Battle of the Bulge said, nuts, she grimaced. No, I can do better than that. Her muttering was drowned out by the thunder of the Krieger energy cannons and the explosive rounds hitting the blast shields. A couple of the RPGs chattered as a few Echo Ops returned fire. Hold your fire! Bulwark roared. Stay behind the blast walls! What are you doing? Bob screamed. Why aren't you shooting them? Sir, you need to calm down, Bull said. Accuracy's limited at this range. We need them closer. They've got us a bit outgunned right now. Firing now won't mean jack if we run out of ammo. But won't it be easier for them to hit us? Probably, Red grunted as he charged his RPG up. 
Not helping, Red, Bella said. Bob, you got a wife? Kids? Bob nodded. Three, he said, and began to shake. You just think about your wife and kids, Bob. Think about how happy you'll be to see them again and how much of that depends on you staying put and letting us work. Bob stared at her. He whimpered, ducking his head under his arms and curling up into a ball as the Kriegers continued their assault. The energy cannon fire ramped up, bombarding the shield walls until the steady barrage of noise and vibration drowned out everything. Bella stopped shouting orders, resorting to hand signals as she rallied her troops around her. Vicky's constant stream of audio cut out and was replaced by a scrolling mess of intel that streamed up the edge of Bella's HUD. Bull took occasional glimpses around the wall, each time looking back at Bella and shaking his head. Bella fretted. She wasn't the patient sort. Every nerve was screaming for action, but for this to work they needed those murdering monsters closer. Closer! She chanced a look to her right. Mel knelt at the ready, her fingers locked firmly in place on her ordnance. Bella noticed she was shaking ever so slightly. Mel had passed any test they had thrown at her and was declared fit for duty, but Bella still had her reservations about it. The girl had lost her powers after all. Bella wondered how she would feel if she had lost her empath abilities. None too eager to jump into battle, perhaps. Mel caught her gaze, offered a smile, and nodded. The girl had courage. Bella had to give her that. She glanced to Mel's right and noticed the genie beaming at her, his grin evident even through that stupid scarf of his. She caught herself laughing. Again. In the thick of battle, under a barrage of enemy fire, and she was laughing. She felt an odd calm fall over her, an absurd sense of security, a certainty that they were going to be just fine. Bull snuck another peek around the wall, glanced back at her, and nodded. Bella flashed an open palm in front of her face, clenched her fingers into a tight fist, and pointed up. The stream of intel on her HUD came to a halt and was replaced with a single word. Roger. No one heard the launchers rise up from their hidden nests. They couldn't over the sounds of the Krieger onslaught, but as they rose by the dozens from behind the gate and from caches hidden in groves of trees that littered the landscape, the ground trembled, vibrating with the action of the huge gears raising the machinery. The Krieger energy cannon barrage stuttered, then came to a halt, as the advancing army realized they were completely surrounded by giant launchers, fully loaded with rows of gleaming RPG warheads, pointed directly at them. Bella stepped around the blast shield and grinned at them. The launchers all began to fire at once. The air was filled with contrails and the shrill whine of the rocket motors as the ordnance flashed out to crash into the enemy. At first, the Kriegers didn't seem to care. They were supposed to be invulnerable to damn near anything, after all. But these RPGs weren't conventional ordnance, and the Kriegers started to notice very quickly. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers! she bellowed as her launchers began to tear into them. Over the sudden din of screaming rocket launchers and dying Kriegers, Bella winced and scratched at her head, annoyed. No, I can't pull that off. Maybe something from Tarantino. John Murdoch, CCCP Murdoch, came the voice, disconcertingly from inside his ear. Heads up, 
Two big birds and coming, your nine o'clock fast and low. Also in his ear, but muted, was chatter from her Russian counterpart, Gamayun. Presumably she was saying the same thing in her native language. His HUD lit up, again with more information, just a little disorienting. He still hadn't gotten used to the fact that this stuff was all implants. Guns up, here they come. Everyone tensed in anticipation, staying low behind the short walls that topped the roof. John squinted in the direction that Thicky had told him the enemy was coming from. One moment, he saw what looked like two tiny dots in the distance. The next moment, there was a deep, thrumming hum that shook him to his bones, accompanied by a sick feeling in his gut. He'd read that whatever propulsion the Thulean death spheres used caused that, but this was his first time, that he could remember at least, ever experiencing it. The spheres had skimmed over the roofs of buildings as they made their approach, one near the street in front of the HQ and one directly over the destruction corridor behind it. Before anyone could track the spheres with their weapons, they were already gone. There was a flash of flame and wings following behind the spheres, not as fast but definitely in pursuit. The angel was all that John had time to think. Less than a second later, however, there were very loud thumps and crunches coming from the ground. Airdrop! Mamona was pointing over her side of the building. John scanned the street in front of HQ and almost immediately spotted what had caused the noise. Krieger troops. Ten of them, all in powered armor. They were located approximately two blocks away from the HQ. Ten on this side he called out, igniting fire around his hands after doing a final check on Rasalga's launcher to make sure it was loaded. Same here. That was Corby the Echo Meta. Let's see how this Echo responds under pressure. This is Molotok. Ground units in position. Rooftop is instructed to hold fire until after we engage. We will draw them in, Tovarich. Out. You heard the man. Wait until they're committed and fire on my mark. We'll see if these new toys work. The Krieger armored troops had reformed after touching down. Two squads, a modified wedge formation for each. All the troopers had line of sight to shoot past each other without much danger of friendly fire. Judging by the helmets, the team leaders were in front of each squad. Suckers are looking to be real heroes leading from the front. Good luck with that, boys. The Kriegers weren't using cover, simply advancing down the street. John saw Rasalka lick her lips in anticipation. She was as eager for this as he was. The rest of the team looked just as ready. They'd need to be. He was going to be juggling coordinating all of them, firing at the Kriegers, spotting targets, and raising the temperature when the time came. Ground team, engage, Molotov again. His order was followed by loud and short barks from assault rifles on either side of the building. From John's vantage point, he could see where Molotov and Thea were hidden behind a hardened barrier. Their shots were sparking off of the armor of the Kriegers, but had little other effect. The troops marched methodically down the street, still unconcerned. They probably think that they're engaging all of what's left at HQ right now. The squad was just over a block away when Thea popped up from behind the barrier. This time, she had a rocket launcher on her shoulder. The squad leader in front stopped, bringing his men up short behind him. Before he could give a commander raise a weapon, a rocket screamed towards him. It was a perfect shot. The war had impacted with the center of the Krieger's chest, crumpled, spraying thick gel everywhere before the pieces rained to the ground. 
The Krieger was stunned for a moment, then appeared to laugh. Even from the roof, John could hear the amplified and ugly laughter, first from the squad leader, then from the rest of his men as he turned to face them. As soon as he had turned his back around to face the CCC peers, another rocket impacted. The rockets themselves were only marginally accurate at distance, so this one struck him in the shoulder. These rockets were new, a fusion of tech from Echo along with one of the inventions left behind by the late fire-breather, Zmei. He had been a tinkerer in the CCCP and had died in the battle for the annihilation of the North American Thulian HQ. His legacy for destruction lived on, however. The second warhead exploded brilliantly. Two different solutions, inert when separate, became extremely volatile when mixed. This happened in flight, so that when the warhead reached its target and ignited, it produced a superheated conflagration. As with any new technology, it didn't always work as advertised, as evidenced by the first warhead. The Krieger squad leader was fully engulfed instantly. The heat generated by the warhead was designed specifically to be high enough to defeat whatever made the Krieger armor nigh invulnerable. As the Krieger was about to raise his arm cannons to punish his attackers, a very tight group of shots impacted with the face shield of his helmet. All of the rounds went through, killing the Thulian. Still on fire, the suit fell forward, hitting the ground with a loud crash. One-two punch. Let's see you bastards deal with that. Old comrades, weapons proven to be effective. Open fire. Ramona, CCCP. Ramona watched the fiery behemoth topple face-first to the pavement. Molten metal flew toward her, fragments of Krieger armor ricocheting off concrete. She threw an arm up to shield her eyes and winced as her entire body squeezed inward. Bits of the broken face, shield, and earth hit her, making a hollow thud against her arms and torso. She heard Chug rumble behind her, and she lowered her arm. Shiny, he offered, a finger pointing at the torn fabric of her shirt. The Krieger armor had embedded itself between black plates that covered her torso from ribcage to pelvis. He reached a hand out to grasp the shard, but his eyes grew round as it began to sink into the plates. Ramona drew a deep breath, and the jagged metal slipped into her skin before she could think to remove it. The skin and metal plating that remained bore no sign of damage, although an oily sheen covered the plates where she had absorbed the Krieger armor. Well, that's new. Helpful, too. She shared a quick grin with Chug before running back to provide cover for the rest of the CCCP, as more of the warheads arced toward the stunned group of Thulians. Echo Campus As one, the Echo ground troops combined with the heavy support of the enormous multiple launch rocket systems rained explosive fire down on the startled Krieger shock troops. Bella nodded in satisfaction as her people came out from hiding behind the blast shields, armed their launchers, and opened fire. RPGs flew, alone from shoulder-mounted units or by the dozen from elevated launcher modules, trailing jets of smoke and slamming into the advancing force of metal warriors. Some Kriegers were knocked to the ground, while others managed to stay on their feet. It hardly mattered. With the exception of a few duds, the RPGs were doing their job. Fire erupted through the Krieger horde and began to decimate their ranks. At the rear of the advancing column, the death spheres slowed to a halt. Their concentrated barrage of energy blasts on the shield walls faltered, paused, then began to pepper the Echo forces seemingly at random. 
Echo ground troops dove for cover as the blast scorched the earth around them. In the midst of the Thulian ranks, shock troopers not yet covered with liquid fire began to break formation, scatter, and look for cover. What had begun as a very one-sided assault on Echo HQ had quickly degenerated into a chaotic free-for-all firefight. Between firing and loading her own launcher behind cover, Bella noted that all the hours spent drilling her troops for just an assault had paid off. She watched her Echo Ops lead their squads around the battlefield with precision, gaining and losing ground to their advantage, maneuvering confused Kriegers into groups to douse with RPG-loaded infirmos and bomb with impunity. The mounted launchers laid down a steady barrage of RPG salvos, each taking but moments to reload and swivel to fresh targets before unleashing their devastating arsenal. At the perimeter of their advancing wave, the Thulian line crumpled and lay in screaming heaps on the scorched earth. The core of their advance came to a halt, like a wave hiccuping and dispersing upon itself. They scattered, caught off guard in open territory, and returned fire. Bella signaled her advanced troops to retreat. The Echo squads fell back behind the shelter of the shield walls, popping out only to unleash fresh volleys of explosive RPGs and heavy accompanying gunfire. With little else at their disposal, the Thulians resorted to using their own fallen for cover. With the Echo forces retreating behind cover, the Death Spheres renewed a concentrated attack on the shield walls, pinning their opponents down. The shoulder-mounted RPG fire slowed to a trickle, and with only the salvos from the automated launchers to deal with, the Krieger ground troops began a slow and disorganized retreat. Dean, we could use some uber-fire, Bella shouted into her calm. Affirmative, boss lady, Dean answered. Behind her, a new MLRS rose. Instead of the array of RPGs housed by its smaller counterparts, this unit only held two. In comparison to the sleek-bodied missiles fired by the dozen, these missiles were considerably larger, sporting enormous warheads. Bella glanced at Red Janie. He gave the giant missiles a glance, caught her staring, and returned to loading his launcher. What? he said with a shrug. It was a good thing they had the Overwatch system. She never would have been able to hear him otherwise. No obligatory dick joke? she asked expectantly. Later, he grunted, aiming his launcher around the wall. I'm working here. <laughs> That's what she said, Mel chuckled. Farron, keep your heads down, Dean announced as one of the missiles flew past them, over the battlefield, and slammed into one of the death spheres. Over the deafening sounds of energy fire, explosions, and screaming, they still heard the grotesque sound of a distant splat as the missile discharged enough persistent fire to cover the face of the sphere. Wow, Bella said in awe. Pie in the face, if the pie is on fire, and made of more fire. Now, that's what I call a money shot, Mel nudged Red's shoulder and winked. Red nodded in appreciation. Needs an encore, though. As if in response, the second missile flew overhead. This time, instead of a splat, there came a deafening boom as the payload exploded in the heart of the Death Sphere. The sphere flew back, its propulsion instantly shut off, and crashed to the ground in a heap of smoking and twisted metal. Yeah, that'll do, the genie said. The barrage on the shield walls fell away as the two remaining Death Spheres retreated. They paused over the burning wreckage of their fallen ally, scooped it up with their tentacles, and fled, leaving the Thulian ground troops to fend for themselves.
Charge! Bella ordered, and the Echo Ground troops moved back on the offensive. Leroy Jenkins! As her troops began their attack, Bella heard those who were wired into Overwatch groan. Yep, the battle cry still needed some work. She ducked back under cover and hailed Vicky. Overwatch, open Vix private. Vix, how are we doing? Local or global? Vicky sounded reasonable. Bella couldn't hear excessive stress in her voice. Global? She ventured. Nothing we can't handle. Needing to bring in the supernauts in Moscow. Did not let Savior know that. Had to bring in the local army in a couple of places. We're winning. Slowly in some places, with lighter casualties than anticipated. Local? You and CCCP. Everyone else is mopping up small squads of suits, linking you to Savior now. There was a very short pause. You are wanting update, Echo Leader. There was a harsh laugh. <laughs> they are no match for the comrades of the CCCP. We are obliterating them. The spheres are in retreat, and we are herding armor. That was far better than she had expected. Uh, okay. Better be a little formal about this. Savior had given her the signal. CCCP leader, are you taking prisoners? She paused again when Savior didn't immediately respond. They're soldiers, not rabid dogs. Savior interrupted her with another laugh. <laughs> and thinking no one with swastika ever signed Geneva Convention are not entitled. Bella flushed. Damn it, Savior! Savior interrupted her again as a volley of heavy fire from the Thulians hit the shield wall. And hearing complications, Echo Leader, are you in position to be taking prisoners? Bella peered around the shield wall and did a head count of the enemy, or tried. Lots. Too many. Far too many to be claiming victory, much less taking prisoners. She blanked for a moment. Damn it, what would Bull say? But you obviously are, Red Leader, she snapped. Remember, we need intel, not a body count. Over and out. The trap had been planned, implemented, and practiced many times in the previous months. It was only a matter of time, after all, before the Thulians mounted another full-scale attack on Echo HQ. Bella ducked back behind the blast shield to reload her launcher and snuck a peek around at the remaining Kriegers. She swore. They had built and stocked the hidden MLRS machinery at a feverish pace, and in the end had wondered if they had perhaps committed an enormous act of overkill. It seemed they had not. Despite their best efforts, they had not anticipated the sheer concentrated numbers the Thulians would throw at them. She fired off her last RPG and fell back. Bulwark joined her. How many? she asked. She had to use the Overwatch circuits to talk to him. Even though they were face to face, the noise was just that deafening. Too many, he grunted. I'd say about a third left, a hundred give or take. And we're running low on ammo. If they can get their act together, they'll probably have enough to overrun us. What do we have left? Regular armaments and metapowers, Bull said. Precious little in the way of fire starters. Best we've got is... Overwatch! Open Jamaican Blaze! 
Please! Bella barked over the overwatch system. What's your sitch? Bella's HUD lit up with a blinking fire icon where Jamaican Blaze was. It was green, signifying that Blaze was ready to work her power as soon as Bella needed it. Blaze had positioned herself well. Hit him and hit him hard, girl. We're between a rock and a hard place out here. Blaze leaned back against the blast wall, took a deep breath to steady herself, and emerged to survey the battlefield. The RPGs had done a number on the Kriegers, but it wasn't enough. Most had been completely engulfed in fire and blown to pieces or simply shredded with explosive rounds, regular gunfire, and every flavor of meta-artillery you could think of. Unfortunately, many were still up in fighting. Worse, they were organizing a charge on the main gate. It was more than a little disconcerting how fast those suits could move when they wanted to. There were, however, a fair number of them covered in small patches of flame. It was enough. It would have to be. She studied the pockets of fire with both hands extended. The teenager gritted her teeth and shifted her focus to a sizable group that had clustered together in the center of the charge. She picked one shock trooper, whose entire back was engulfed in fire, and stoked it. You can do this, Willard Jean. The voice rang out in her head. It was a clear voice, one that had lifted her so many times in the past, and it was loving. Oh, yes, so loving. The trooper screamed as the fire spread across his armor. His startled comrades leapt away from him. Blaze felt a sudden exhaustion as she willed the fire to burst, to spread, and soon the core group of Thulians were thrashing about in helpless agony as she willed the flames higher and brighter, as if she were conducting a blazing symphony among the burning Kriegers. The rapid jump from soldier to soldier generated a current, and the flames began to cycle counterclockwise of their own accord. The whirling tongue of fire threatened to rise up and out of control. Jamaican Blaze cried out in pain. She had never truly tested her limits. She felt dizzy. Her knees began to buckle. Surely this was it. She was at the brink. She was past it. You can do this, Willa Jean. In the past, Blaze had always found comfort and solace in her grandmother's voice. If there was ever anyone who could reach beyond the pain to see it done through hell and high water, it was Dixie Bell. But her gram was more than a role model for her, more than just guidance and wisdom and a shining example of true heroism. She was, simply, everything to her. Through it all it was those six words that had always lifted her up. She was up to any task, to any ordeal, with those simple words of encouragement, and she would be damned before she let her gram down. I'll do this, gram. With nothing left except a sheer and desperate will, she brought both hands down, not to lessen the fires, but to widen their reach. The flames lashed out to drag the smoldering Thulians into the vortex. The remaining Kriegers on the fringe who had begun to join the assembled masses retreated instead, but to no avail, as they too were drawn inexorably into the swirling storm of fire and mayhem. Jamaican Blaze, your readings are starting to redline. Suggest you pull back. That was Sam Colt. Blaze was wired into Overwatch 1, not the new system. She had the feeling that if it had been Vicky in her ear, there would have been some shouting and a lot of cussing. Jamaican Blaze struggled to breathe in the superheated air, her hands shaking as she willed the vortex into a flaming whip that lashed furiously at the last of the Thulians. 
She gestured at the air with both hands, gripping and twisting an unseen line. The fiery tornado responded in kind, curling in on itself until the tip met the base and the loop weakened. She pushed both hands together, squeezing the remaining Thulians between the walls of fire until the wavering pillar erupted in a white-hot ball of molten metal. It appeared that Vicky was paying attention anyway. Just when she thought she was about to die, or fry, or both, a wall of earth and stone suddenly upthrust itself between her and the firestorm, and she was jarred to her knees by a waist-deep hole appearing under her. Suddenly she could breathe again, damp, cool, cave-like air soothing her lungs and cooling her burning skin. "'Breathe, girl. Good job,' came the slightly hoarse voice in her ear. "'Yes. Overwatch and I are always here, and if we can help it, we will never let you fall.' "'I did it,' she thought in wonder, and even sobbed in relief as she slipped into unconsciousness. She was only barely aware of the earth folding around her like a pair of careful, sheltering hands, keeping her safe. Willetjean did it. Victoria Victrix, Overwatch Suite Frankfurt, Leipzig, and Paris were all engaging. More of Zmei's RPGs had been shipped out to the EU than had been kept at Echo HQ because there were fewer fire-chucking metas over there than there were here. Vienna had already beaten back the single squad of power-armored troopers that had been dropped there. Berlin had a pair of spheres, but they were still on the approach. Every screen in the suite was live, and most were split in quadrants. Vicky was coordinating the new Overwatch 1 controls in every city that was taking attacks, splitting work with the Colt brothers. The drills had paid off, though. Only Budapest and Pretoria had been caught with their pants down. Vicky was keeping an ear out for a special little alert, however, because the last major attack, the invasion, had included a cyber attack, and she was grimly determined not to let a single Trojan slip past the Echo defenses this time. There was the sound of a doorbell. Candy Graham, chirped an animation-style voice in her implant. She spared one moment for a quick scan of all the screens, looked like Control could manage without her for a little. She cleared a screen by moving the pages over and brought up the honey trap. Sure enough, incursions being tried on systems all around the globe, but without the mutating FOF code, they were being blocked. That was good. The Thulians should have expected that after the last time. So let's see what backdoors you're trying that you think we don't know about, you bastards, she muttered. She'd pulled in every white, grey, and black hat hacker she knew for this, besides people like Echo's own Belgian geniuses from Toronto. They all wanted the Thulians to think they'd penetrated. And actually they would. Just not what they thought they were penetrating. It looked like the Echo system, and it was connected superficially to the Echo system. But it was a hollow shell, with Vicky's special cybermancy playing herd dog. And there. There, there, there they were. The real attacks, the ones expected to succeed. She sketched the activation diagrams in the air and turned loose her little semi-sentient guardians. They could do what no human could, chase after the code like sheepdogs herding sheep and herd any strays into the honey trap. The viruses the Thulians had created were not semi-sentient. They did what viruses do, propagate and hide themselves. Except they were propagating and hiding themselves inside a giant cage. When the last of them were in, she slammed the door. 
and powered down the system. And just for good luck, hit the system with a localized EMP. Nothing made of ones and zeros would survive that. Fight me, she snarled. John Murdoch, CCCP. Three of the troopers, including the first squad leader, were down. The rest had wisened up fairly quickly and had taken cover. Whenever he wasn't firing at a position, he was helping Rusalka to reload. They didn't have many rockets left, though, only three after this next shot. Once they were out, which would happen soon, it would be John's turn. His fires were extinguished for the moment. He popped up from behind the wall on the roof, took aim, and fired a burst from his rifle at a Krieger that was crouching behind a newly overturned car. The rounds bounced harmlessly off of the trooper's armor, but he raised up to turn his cannons on John. The exposure was just enough for Brusalka to land a rocket directly on the trooper. Combined rifle fire from John and Molotov finished the job. From the sound of things, similar scenes were playing out down in the destruction corridor. He could hear explosions, the chatter of assault rifles, and what he thought was Bear's manic laughter interspersed with Russian cursing. John had other things to focus on, for the moment. He set down his rifle and went to the business of reloading Brusalka's RPG launcher. Not being many left, she said, wiping a strand of hair out of her face. Hope that you are holding up your end, Tovarich. Don't worry about me. Just make sure whatever I start doesn't burn the rest of the neighborhood down. Property values are in the toilet already. Bear and Unter. CCCP. Destruction Corridor. Soviet Bear and Untermensch had been forced to split up, taking different positions in order to spread out the Krieger's return fire and give them more than one ground target to worry about. While that left Unter with the job of loading his own RPGs, it allowed Bear to do what he did best, create a spectacle. He was firing from the hip, one-handed, with his PPSH-41, sending blasts of plasma from the gauntlet on his free hand and loudly cursing their enemies. Some of the insults were becoming quite poetic, even as they also became more vulgar. If you fired your weapon as much as you jabbered, there would be no Kriegers left, old bear, Unter grumbled as he finished reloading. But that would not be as much fun, Dovarich. Bear ducked out of the way at the last moment as an actinic bolt screamed past his head, with several more impacting against the barrier he was using as cover. They are getting a little more accurate. Unter peeked around the corner of his barrier, nodded to Bear, and then immediately raised the RPG tube. One Krieger that had been bounding forward to cover was out in the open. The warhead from Unter's weapon struck the Krieger in his midsection, igniting the armor. Less than a second later and before the Krieger had reached safety, Bear had peppered the man's armor with bullets. Injured and dying, the Krieger kept crawling. He was finally put down by simultaneous shots from Bear's gauntlet, and the Echo met a Corby on the roof. Six left. The troopers, deprived of their squad leaders, who had been targeted at the outset of the engagement, looked as if they were ready to bolt, perhaps to spread out and carry the fighting away from the CCCP HQ. Unter and Bear both recognized this immediately. It was their job to protect the people, and that meant keeping the fight here. We must contain them, Unter Kita's comm unit. Molotok, corridor unit is going to be triggering party favors. On your command. Affirmative, Tovarecha. Murdoch, under on my signal, being prepared to fire. Ready? Three, two, one. Fire. 
Immediately upon hearing the command, Unter retrieved and slammed the palm of his hand down on a firing device three times in quick succession. The clacker command detonated several flame focuses that had been prepositioned in the destruction corridor. This particular section of the corridor was closed off, and the firing device had remained disconnected until the attack was imminent for safety purposes. The flame focuses themselves, which had been shown to be especially effective in the attack on the Thulean North American HQ, had been upgraded with the same mixture that Zmei had devised and had been incorporated into the new RPG warheads. The result of the detonation was that several large plumes of super-hot fire and burning compound engulfed almost all of the Kriegers. Let's hope the American Murdoch is having same effect. You have been listening to Collision, Season 8 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. Season 8 is written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The fourth book, Collision, is available in print and ebook in December 2014 from the amazing people at Bayon Books. For more information about the series or to listen to earlier seasons, check out www.secretworldchronicle.com. Want to chat with the authors and fellow SWC fans? Join the Secret World Chronicle group on Facebook. And, as always, thank you for listening.